Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Amen. 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 We're going to take a look at a few scriptures here today, and I have three different portions of scripture that I'm going to be reading from today, but I don't think that the... uh, the volume of scriptures I'll be reading from are, are necessarily an indication of the length of my message today. And so, uh, but I want to turn your attention to 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, verse 8. And we'll be taking a look also at Luke chapter 2, verse 4, and then Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And I want to just tell you that right off the bat, the inspiration of my message this morning came from a, a play, a Christmas play that uh, some of us, that our family was uh, fortunate enough to go see and a friend of ours actually wrote and starred in. It was a Christmas play called Make Room. And uh, he wrote this in about three months. We went up to his church to take a look at it last, last Sunday evening. And while we were there in the middle of that performance, I was thinking that I just, I need to preach from the message, from the thought of this, of this, of this production, and so that's what I want to do here today. In the book of Second Kings, chapter four, the Bible says, "Just hang with me now." Now it happened in the day when Elijah went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, or the Bible says, a great woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. Here was this prophet Elisha. He's passing through from Mount Carmel. He's about about a day's journey or about 20 miles, a little over a day's journey, 18 to 20 miles from Mount Carmel where Elisha lived to this little village named Shunem. And as he would pass by conducting his business, his ministry, going to preach and to minister and to prophesy, there was this great woman in this little town called Shunem that would, that would, that persuaded him to come in. Let us, let us be a blessing to you. Let us feed you. And so it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. I can just tell, but the more I've gotten to know him, the more I recognize that there's something different about this, about this man. There's a, there's something special about him. He's a holy man. He's a prophet of God. And so it goes on and it says, please let us make a small upper room on the wall of our house, and let us put up a bed for him there. Look what she did, and a table and a chair and a lampstand, and so will it be that whenever he comes by this way that he can turn in here. I don't want to just feed him. I don't want to just bless him. I want to create a place. Come on, somebody, in our home and in our life where we can, where we can uh, make room for the blessings of God. Amen? Amen. There's another story I want to draw your attention to. It's a Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, we find quite a different set of events. Whereas this Shunammite woman made room for the man of God, here we find that Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house of the lineage of David. 
And as he was making their way into Bethlehem to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with him, who was with child, verse 6, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Get this, because there was no room for them in the inn. In one store we find an occasion of a great woman who made room for the presence of God. But here we find that when God himself had traversed the heavens and come to this earth, to be with us, that there was no room for him in the end. One more portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to just preach for just a few moments. This Christmas season, come on, I know that we're busy. I know that we're in the hustle and the bustle. I know that sometimes that shopping lists and parties and things and plans and all the pressures that come with life can can crowd out our joy for this Christmas season, can crowd out our thoughts and our heart and our spirit of Christmas. But I want to just tell you on this on this Christmas Sunday, this service, that we need to make room. Amen? That just like that Shunammite woman, that we need to make sure that we are making room for Jesus this Christmas season. Can we bow our heads one more time? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. God, I pray, Father, that God, this Christmas season, Lord, that we would be reminded, Jesus, that God, it's up to us to make space in our life, space in our home, in our family, in our thoughts, and in our feelings, God. Make room for the Messiah. And we give you all the praise, and we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Now, if you brought me a Christmas gift, you may be seated, okay? The rest of you are going to have to stand up. I'm just teasing. I'm just, go on, Rick, sit down. <laughs> amen, amen. Amen. Make room, amen. We're talking about making room. It's been referred to as this Christmas story, this wonderful narrative we find in Luke chapter 2. We find in all the synoptic gospels the story of Jesus, the God-man manifest in the flesh who has come from the heavens to be with his human, his, his, his creation, humanity. It's this Christmas story, this, this holiday narrative that we find that is so filled with joy and wonder. The story of the angels and of the shepherds, of the wise men bringing their gifts and the long-awaited fulfillment of the promised Messiah. The one that his people had been looking for, that had been prophesied and predicted and and foretold for for so many years and now finally this this coming messiah arrives it's it's in those days the bible tells us that just a few short months after the angel of the lord had come to visit this young lady by the name of mary that that had come and informed her that that she would soon be overshadowed by the holy ghost and and that that she would be with child it was this miraculous this miraculous event that would change the entire world. And, and as time would pass, as the months would pass, the Bible says that, that this decree would go out from Caesar Augustus and all the world 
would be registered. And so with the first registration that all that were to go and register in their own hometown, the town of their family lineage. And so the Bible tells us that Joseph went up with his family to, from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And as they come to this little town of Bethlehem, as they approach this city that they had to come to as a, as a part of this taxation and as a part of, of this registration, that they arrive in this little town of Bethlehem late at night. And I can imagine having, uh, having been with a wife and uh, having seen three children uh, come into this world, the, the amount of anxiety and angst that would be taking place as this this young lady is getting ready to give birth as they are arriving into this town of Bethlehem. I can imagine they were weary. I can imagine they were worn out. I can imagine that they were overwhelmed by the circumstances as, as, as Mary is literally going into labor, but there is no room for them in the inn. And I can just imagine that this, this husband Joseph knocking on the door trying to find a place and a space for his wife to come and to be comfortable as he knows that this child is getting ready to be birthed into the world. And it's here that we find this very first indication of, of the ministry that God would, would come to bring. That, that although God, uh, who, was, who was in great heaven and glory, He came to this earth and He did not come in a king's palace. He did not come on a king's castle, but he came lowly in the form of a child. And although he came from heaven to this earth, there was still no place for him in the inn that they arrived. And so we know the story. The Bible says that instead of accommodating this God-man that was manifest in the flesh, instead he was given an animal's trough and he was born in a lowly manger. And it's this story that we read about that so often we just glance over and we just don't give much attention to, but it's here in this story of this manger scene where Jesus had come to this earth and was born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and He was put in this manger that I want to take a moment to pause and reflect on the reality that there was no room for Him this Christmas season. There was no space for the Savior to, 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 to rest. There was no place for Mary and for Joseph in the end. Now, I don't know. The Bible does not give us much of an indication as to why there was no room into the, in the end. Uh, it doesn't give us any insight into the conversation or the negotiation between Joseph and this innkeeper. We can only imagine the back and forth of Joseph trying to advocate for he and his family to have some sort of spirit Space in this place. There, there was no uh, Holiday Inn. There was no Hilton Garden Inn. There, there was no Marriott in those days. And so it was up to Joseph to find a place to put his wife in that baby. And, and every door they knocked, they were greeted with a no. Every, every opportunity seemed to be closed. And so ultimately, it was decided by the keeper of this inn, I don't have a place for you to go. I don't have room for you to come and abide. And so he ultimately was birthed and placed in a manger. Now, I don't want to 
come down too hard on this innkeeper. I'm sure if he would have recognized that God was getting ready to manifest in the flesh, that, that he would have changed his mind and he would have tried to make space or to make room. But I want to tell you here today that this, that this innkeeper really is a metaphor for so many of us here today, this Christmas season. It's this innkeeper that gives insight into the reality of this world as the Bible says that, that our God came unto his own. And his own received him not. That so much of this Christmas season is about celebrating the giving of gifts and celebrating trees and celebrating sand and all of the festivities that come with this Christmas season. But the reality is, is that so much of the Christmas season has crowded out the reality of the message that we as believers need to hold dear to this morning. That we need to carve out space in our thinking and space in our worship and space in our families and space in our home for the truth and the reality that Christmas is not so much about all of the external things that our culture has made it, but we need to make room in our worship and room in our speech and room in our thoughts for the reality that Jesus is still the reason for the season. I want to ask you this morning, I want to know, have you made room for Jesus today? Yeah, I know you got your shopping list. I know you've got your meals planned. I know you've got your parties planned and there's the hustle and the bustle of all that comes with this Christmas season. But what I want to ask you today is have you carved out a space for true worship and recognition that if it was not for that God man that was manifested in the flesh that we would be without a hope in this world. I want to know have you made room for Jesus this Christmas season? You see, what I have learned over the years is that in life, the reality is that people will tend to make room for the things in their life that are a priority. That the priorities of our life are the things that we will make room for. You see, in the Gospel of Luke, in the book of Luke chapter 16, we find an occasion where Jesus is being confronted by a man who is in the middle of a dispute with his brother over the sharing of their inheritance. And according to this text, this, this story in Luke chapter 16, the brother of this man who had come to Jesus had received an inheritance that was due to the brothers for whatever reason. And for whatever reason, he is refusing to share that money, that wealth, that inheritance with their siblings. And so when he approaches Jesus with this matter about the sharing of the inheritance and the fighting over the money, Jesus warns this man against the sin of covetousness and of being greedy for possessions. And he proceeds to warn him that life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he can accumulate or afford. And that is a timely message for us this Christmas season that, that Christmas isn't so much about the gifts under the tree, but the gift that God has given to each and every one of us. And it's in the middle of this conversation that Jesus proceeds to, to tell a parable about a rich man that the Bible ultimately would consider a fool. And Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 16, he said, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And 
He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods. You've laid up for many years. You've got everything you need. You've accomplished everything you can accomplish in life. He says, therefore, I'm going to relax. I'm going to eat and I'm going to drink and I'm going to be merry. But God said to this man, you fool, for this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared for whose will they be. And so Jesus concludes this parable in Luke chapter 16 by emphasizing the meaning of the message to his disciples. He says that just as this man was foolish for laying up treasures only for himself on earth, he said, yet he remained poor toward God. He said that we too are just as foolish if we only make room in our life for the worldly cares, the earthly desires, and the temporary possessions that yet have not made sufficient room in our life for God. He had bigger barns, and he had more supplies, and he had greater wealth, but he had failed to make room in his life for God. And he said that while this rich old fool, full of possessions in abundance, but yet he was poor towards God, was the villain of the story by placing all of his value on the worldly things, there is something that this rich man can teach us. That despite his lack of judgment and making God the priority of his life and in spite of his, his failure to plan not just for his business and his personal prosperity and gain, but for eternity, there is some underlying truth that we can find in this rich man's story. And that is simply that, that, that this rich man realized that in order to have room in your life, that you've got to make room in your life. This man had filled up his barns. This man had filled up his storage. He had, he had everything coming in so much so that he couldn't even shut the doors of his barn. But he understood something that we need to recognize today is that when he ran out of room in his life, that he realized that it's time to tear down the barns that are in place and build something bigger. And what he recognized and realized is that, that when you need room in your life, you've got to make room in your life and the recognition that we find here the principle that we find here is a principle of priority that the things that we want to make room for in life the reality is is that we will make room in our life that the things that are the priorities for us the things that are the most important to us the things that will lead us and guide us the place where our heart is is where our treasure is and where our treasure is is where our heart is and where our heart and our treasure are that's where we're going to make room in our life. What I have found is that the reality is, is that when it's time to make room in our life or when we need room in our life, that most people are willing to make room for their priorities. Yes, it's obvious that this rich man lacked judgment in recognizing what the true priority should be in his life, but the principle still remains this undeniable truth that where our treasure is, that that's where our heart will be also. And the things that we give our thoughts to, the things that we give our time to, the things that we give our heart to are inevitably going to be the same things that are going to consume us and define us and what we decide to make the priority in life will ultimately become the things we make room for. And so we find this story 
In 2 Kings chapter 4, I know it's an unusual story for the Christmas season, but I think it lays a great context for the story of Joseph and Mary having to delegate Jesus to a, an animal's manger. It's here in the story in 2 Kings chapter 4 that we find the story of a woman that the Bible referred to as a great woman. He was not, she was not referred to as a foolish man like in that parable that Jesus told, but this was a great woman. She was a woman from a small village called Shunem. And the scripture says that she and her husband were, were fairly wealthy. They owned a business, they owned some crops, they owned land. And over the passing of time, as the prophet Elisha would pass through this village of Shunem, the prophet Elijah was... Now, remember, he was one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. He was, the, he was, uh, he was mentored by Elijah. And, and as Elijah went to leave this earth, Elisha inherited his ministry and inherited his mantle. He performed twice as many miracles as Elijah, some 32 notable miracles he performed while he was on this earth. He was a prophet and he was a healer and he was a miracle worker and he saw people raised from the dead, but as he would pass through this little town called Shunem, some 18 miles outside of Mount Carmel where he lived, there was this woman, this great woman in Shunem that began to take notice of this prophet of God. And she, she would see him pass through. She began to realize that something needs to be done for this for this godly man that, that represents the presence of God and the blessings of God. And so the Bible says that she began to compelled this prophet Elisha to come into her home. And as he would pass through, she would, she would prepare a meal for him. And over the course of time, every time the prophet Elijah would come through, she would cook for him and she would bless him and she would be hospitable towards him. And, and over the course of time, the Bible says that the more this man Elisha, this prophet of God, would enter into her home, the more she would recognize and realize that he was a holy man of God, that, that there was something different about him, that there was something that every time he would enter into her home, that she would feel and experience the blessings of God in her family and in her home and in her life. And so the Bible says that she wanted to do more for this, this man of God, this prophet of God. And so she said, the Bible says that she went to her husband and she said that we need to do something for him. We need to create a space and a place that we can do more than just just feed the man of God, but we need to put him up. We need to create a place where he can come and he can lay his head. And, and so the Bible says that they didn't have a place in their home. And, and so instead of, instead of deciding to, to not allow this man into their home, they actually went out and they gathered the materials and they went ahead and built a place in their home with a lamp and a table and a desk and a bed so that whenever this prophet of God would pass through this little town of Shunem that whenever he would pass through that, that they would have a room in their house to dwell. And it's in this story that we find this powerful principle that resonates with me this Christmas season that that this reality that, the, that yes, number one, that the things that we want to make room for in our life, yes, we oftentimes, if we need room, we will make room. But the second principle that we find here is that the priorities that we make room for in life will ultimately be what consume us and what define us. 
It's this Christmas season that I just want to just remind Connection Point Church with a, a word for hope this morning that, that you say, yes, I, I, if you're anything like me, I don't have much room in my life. I don't have much more capacity. I'm so busy and I'm so just stressed out and I'm so overwhelmed, but I just feel disconnected by the cares and the worries of life. I, I don't disagree with you today that, that most of us here today, that we have families and we have business and we have careers and we have get-togethers and we have bills and we have stresses and we have things that are crowding out our life. But what I've come just to minister to somebody today is just a little word of hope that if there are things in your life that are a priority, that those are the things that we're going to make room for. And if you want to make room for more of God in your life, what I want to tell you is that you can have more of God in your life. Uh, that, that that this connect this this Christmas season, that, that I've got good news, that if you feel disconnected and overwhelmed and overcrowded by the cares of life, that there is place and space that you can create. And if you do, that God will come and dwell in your life in a greater way. <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is this. <clears throat> Don't let the culture and the crowds and the busyness of life crush your Christmas spirit this season. Don't let the busyness and the cultural <clears throat> priorities dictate the true meaning of Christmas for you this season. That you say, yeah, I look around and I take inventory of my life and I don't feel the joy that I used to feel. I don't feel the peace that I used to feel. I don't feel the hope and the excitement that I used to feel. I don't have much more room in my life. There's not much more space in my life for 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 God, for joy, for peace. I, I've got pressures. I've got bills. I, I've got anxiety. I've got worries. I've got responsibilities. But what I've come to just tell you today is that if you will make room in your life, uh, that God will fill that place in that space. And, and if you want joy this Christmas season, you can find joy. If you want peace this Christmas season, you can find peace. If you want more of God this holiday season, what I want to tell you is that you can find it this morning because the things that we prioritize will ultimately be the things that consume us and define us I want you to notice a few similarities in this in these stories in each of these stories you'll find a few commonalities in both of these stories we can imagine that both of these individuals were busy that they were ambitious the Bible describes both of them as being wealthy, landowners, or business owners. Both of these individuals found themselves running out of room in their lives. But this man in Jesus' parable was running out of space in his barn, yet the lady in the story didn't have any more room in her house. Yet nevertheless, in both of these individuals' lives, they realized that they were going to have to make some adjustments to make some renovations in order to respond to the pleasures and to the priorities of their life. But notice this, that while they both did what it took to create extra space for the things that were the priority for them, the Bible calls one man a foolish man. For he only had room in his house for earthly possessions. 
for earthly ambitions, for more wheat and for more grain and for more fruit and for more money and for more possessions. Yet he failed to take account for God. But this woman in 2 Kings was called a great woman because despite her earthly successes, she valued the presence of God to be of greater value in her life than all of the abundance and all of the riches and all of the gifts and all of the stuff. She saw the blessing of God's presence that was passing by her life to be of a greater priority. And so she said, I've got to do something. I don't want just a little bit of God. I don't want just a little bit of His presence. But I've got to do something to make more room in my life for Him. And the Bible says that she literally began to build onto her house in order to obtain the capacity to get more of God in her midst. I want to tell you that unfortunately over the course of my ministry and my life, I, I've been encountered with too many people for, for whatever reasons, for one reason or another, have decided that they just don't have more room in their life for God. I'm sorry, pastor, I don't have time for church. I'm sorry, I don't have time for Bible study. I'm sorry, I don't have time to get involved. I don't have time to serve. I just don't have space for anything else in my life. And, and every word that, we're, that you say may be true, that, that life is busy and life is full of demands. I'm not denying any of that. Both of these individuals were at the breaking point in their life. But the principle that I am pointing out this morning as we enter into this Christmas season, this Christmas week, is at the end of the day, what we all make room for in our life are the things that we value most. And what I've come to encourage you with today is that if we will make Jesus the priority over all of the other blessings of life, if we will make Jesus the reason for the season, I know it's a simple little message, but I've just... Can't help but just feel it today. That if Jesus is our priority, if the gift that God has given us is the centerpiece of our holiday season, if that Christ in that manger scene is the, is the joy of our life, is if, if the redemption that God planned for us and prepared for us in the form of a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes becomes the focus and the priority, if, if we will keep the main thing, the main thing this Christmas season, I want to tell you that the Word of God promises us if He is our priority, that all of the other blessings of life will tend to follow. But we've got to make Make sure that we keep God number one and God first and foremost in our life. You see what's so amazing about this story? Is that this Shunammite woman, she made, she made this space for the prophet. And the Bible says that the prophet, that as he realized that this woman had great, gone to great lengths to be a blessing to him, that he said to her that, that what shall I return unto you for your kindness to me? And she, he, he basically said, what do you need? What do you want? 
She said, I don't really need anything. I don't need any provision. I don't need any prosperity. I don't need any protection. We just, our people, she just, just, we just kind of mind our own business. There's not really anything I need. And, and so if you read the text, he, he had to do a little digging and a little research to find out that she didn't have a child and she was lacking a child. And she didn't even ask him really for a child. And the Bible says that he realized and recognized the need that she had in her life. And she says, by this time next year, you are going to be holding your son. And this woman responded to him and, and said, oh prophet, don't you tease me. Don't you, don't you tell me something that you don't mean. And, and he said, just don't you worry. By this time next year, you're going to have the very thing that you desire because you made space for the presence of God. God is going to bless you. God is going to make a way for you. And it was that time next year that she gave birth to a child. And what I've come to tell somebody today is that if we get God first and put God as the priority of our life, that all of the other blessings of life will come to follow. And I just want to encourage you all over this place that this season that we need to keep Jesus as the reason and the heart of our joy. Will you stand with me today? <clears throat> as you can tell, I'm battling a little bit of a cold this morning. But I want to just say, I want to go on record that the things that we want to make room for, we will make room for. The things that we want to prioritize in our life, those are what we'll make room for. <clears throat> and it's ultimately those priorities, those things that we create more space in our life for are going to be ultimately the things that define us and that consume us. Not everything is going to give us joy. Not everything is going to give us peace in life. And when we allow ourselves to be consumed with the idols of culture and of this world and of society, those things we'll find at the end of the day are empty, are vain. But if we, like this Shunammite woman, will create space in our life for the Savior today. What I want to tell you is that we will find that when we put God first in our life, God first in our career, God first in our family, God first in our home, that all of the other blessings of life will follow. So what do we do? <clears throat> I'm not preaching against gifts or Christmas trees or fruitcake or stuffing or all those fun things. But what I am saying is I think this Christmas season, we ought to just make sure we're talking about the risen Savior. The atmosphere of our home and our family is not focused on all the ancillary things, but we're creating an atmosphere in our home and in our church, in our workplace, and wherever we go that we are keeping at the very forefront of our mind and in our thinking that God has given us the greatest gift of all, that Jesus has come, that Jesus is the blessing, that, that Jesus is what we all desired and could not accomplish or achieve on our own, that God has given us truly the greatest gift of all. If we could bow our head today, <clears throat> I want to know how are we making room? How are you making room? How am I making room? Maybe this year, instead of before opening open the gifts and 
ripping open the wrapping paper, maybe take a few moments to read the Christmas story. Maybe we take some time to just sing a hymn or to worship God, whatever it is, whatever it looks like for you. I want to just know where are we making the room in our life? I wonder at this time if we could stand all over this place and if nothing but metaphorically, I wonder if we can just come out from where we are to this altar and just create a space in our heart as we enter into this next week to say, God, I'm keeping you number one. I'm keeping you as the priority and the focus. You know, they say that this holiday season, the average American is going to spend $1,000 on Christmas. Yet they have 10 times that in credit card debt. I think somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of this very simple principle. That when we get sidetracked on all the wrong priorities, it leaves us feeling empty and lacking and wanting more and more and more and more. But when we get our heart and our sight set on the true meaning, I want to tell you there is a joy and a contentment that this world cannot offer. One more time, every head bowed. Can we just lift our hearts right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we just love the Lord right now? Come on, you're, you're a peculiar people. Come on, you're a holy people. Hallelujah. Come on, you've been called out. Hallelujah. Come on, God has given you a greater way, a better way. He's given you hope and he's given you joy. Come on, it's not about what you have to offer. It's about what he's already given to you. Can we just worship the Lord right now? Hallelujah.